Unturned is presented by Update AI. Hello, everyone. Today's episode is part of a new series of Unturned called Hashtag Open to Work. The SaaS economy is a tough place to be right now, and the jobs of many have been eliminated in recent months. We're showcasing SaaS leaders and practitioners who, at the time of our taping, are free agents, excited for their next role. Check the show notes if you'd like to reach out to them and email me at josh at update.ai if you'd like to be featured. Now, on to the show. Welcome to Unturned, a show about the leaders and innovators of companies who have forged incredible customer relationships and stories you can use to advance your own career. Here's your host, Josh Schechter. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this special episode of Unchurned, hashtag open to work, where we are featuring amazing SaaS leaders and practitioners who are open and ready for their next role. I want to introduce everybody today to Eshwanth Reddy. Eshwanth is a customer success leader. Uh, Eshwanth, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from and where do you live today? Hey, Josh. Well, happy Thanksgiving, first off, and you know, really appreciate you having me on. So I grew up in Toledo, Ohio, of all places, and I'd spent quite a bit of time out in the West Coast in Los Angeles. And then for my startup position, I've moved out to Mountain View for about four months. And of course, as we all know, COVID hit and ended up right back in Toledo, Ohio. So hopefully this is the final winter in Ohio and looking forward to moving maybe back to LA soon. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I uh, I spent some time in, in Toledo and uh, was living in LA for 10 years. So familiar with those territories and actually worked in Mountain View myself as well. So oh, um, there you go. Yeah. You've worked in customer success now for many, many years, uh, about 15 years, I, I believe. Um, tell us, what do you love about working in SaaS in customer facing roles? having the pleasure of working with customers in CS. Yeah. And so, I mean, I suppose it wasn't traditional customer success. So my entire 15-year career has been, I would say, client or customer facing. So the customer success at a SaaS startup has been the past few years. But really, to, you know, part of your question is I am a people person, right? I enjoy meeting different customers, understanding their unique challenges, and how can we go about solving them, right? And that really is what keeps me engaged because it's never boring, right? It's a new problem, a new challenge every day. And one other piece that I think plays a part about my personality and why I can help customers is I have a business intelligence and analytics background. So I'm a big data nerd, right? I love data. I love utilizing it. And and not just as a measure, right? I mean, it's plenty of data, it's plenty of metrics, but you know, taking what I call noise, right? All that data and transforming it into an actionable insight. And I think what gets lost a lot of times is that people say this is what they want, right? Like, hey, this is the metric I'm looking for. This is the outcome. But by listening to a customer and really diving into what they're actually looking for, right? Keep asking them why until you get to the heart of what is the problem they're trying to solve. A lot of times you find that, let's say the metric or KPI that they're looking for it's completely different than what they were envisioning. So I think taking my kind of people centric and, you know, just the fact that I enjoy meeting new people and combining it with my analytical and kind of data background, I think that truly defines customer success, right? You can't have customer success without that human relationship. You certainly can't have it without the data and the KPIs to be able to measure and improve on. Is that help clarify a little bit? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, that framework can apply to really anything in SaaS, right? So I, I worked in, mm-hmm. in product for 15 years. And, and for me, it was about this Venn diagram overlap of 
qualitative, which is what you're saying, listening to the voice of the customer and what they want, what they need um, specifically, and then quantitative, which is speaking to your background in, in business intelligence and, and data. And then I think, you know, sprinkled in there uh, quite importantly as well is your intuition, your own experience and pattern recognition. And it sounds like you, you agree with that framework. That's the way that you approach working with customers. I, I want to, I want folks to really kind of get to know, um, you know, the real authentic unturned as we call our episodes, uh, Eshwan. So tell us a little bit about your professional journey and, you know, what that's looked like, what, what challenges maybe you faced along the way and, and kind of where, you know, you started out at point A and now you're here at a higher ground at point B. Tell us about that from point A to point B quickly. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, as you rightfully mentioned, to open up, I mean, I'm a customer success leader. I have about 15 years of experience and that's really the point B. But point A, where I started is, you know, originally I was actually uh, a financial advisor, but where I pivoted into was consulting because, you know, going back to what I just mentioned, I really enjoy working with customers, enjoy having new challenges. So consulting is the perfect landscape for this, right? You have customers across a variety of industries. Every engagement is a new, you know, potentially city, new team. So the best way, I think, for many to grow, certainly not the only way, but one of the best ways I've found is that consulting just gives you that fundamental building blocks of, you know, critical thinking, of customer relationship, of working with a large team, right? I mean, one thing I love about customer success is that collaborative nature, right? You collaborate with your customers. You collaborate with probably every team internally at a startup. So that point A of starting and consulting, you know, working with Fortune 500 companies, seeing how large uh, organizations, large companies, consulting companies such as IBM, Deloitte, Accenture, all work, I would say was one of the, the biggest building blocks of who I am today and what's really helped me succeed, right? So I've managed teams and projects globally, right? So I've worked with just a variety of teams all over the world, Japan, India, et cetera, right? So you learn more about different cultures. I've also helped work with, you know, primarily enterprise customers. So, you know, I've, especially on the consulting side, I've worked on projects that are 100 million dollars plus, right? Ranging across multiple years. So you just get this perspective that you might not necessarily have at say, you know, I'm doing X job every single day and that's my only role, right? You you play a lot of different um, kind of journeys across different industries and working with different teams. And then over time, as I matured in that, I, you know, moved on from being technical to more governance to more, I'd say, management consulting, working for myself. You know, that's maybe let's call it uh, the midway point between A and B, which is, you know, that entrepreneurial spirit that I've always had. My parents are small business owners. So I've always grown up around helping my parents and helping them with multiple businesses. So going independent and working for myself was that midpoint of, hey, let me see if I can run my own business, right? Be my own salesperson, manage the customer, right? Or the client in this case. And I think that really started the floodgates for me of, you know, near the end of that six-year period where I worked for myself, I started working with some founders and co-founders, Josh. So, you know, first is sort of a advisor for some local accelerators in uh, Los Angeles and just in general reaching out to others and almost pro bono, right? Essentially, I'm not charging them. They're, most of them were pre-funding. So just passionate though, right? Talking to these founders and co-founders, they just had such interesting ideas. They were just excited to show up every day for, again, pre-funding, right? They might not even be making any money, but they were just 
completely all in. And I think that excitement got to me and I said, hey, why don't I work for a startup rather than just consult or, you know, advise? And that's how I ended up at Bidgely. And, you know, the rest is history, as they say, but I have had a, a fantastic run there ending up working with some amazing teams globally, some amazing customers globally. And truly, I think, you know, I'm all in on the SaaS world and certainly customer success and Really look forward to seeing where my journey takes me next. It's a great story, and funny, funny enough, again, our backgrounds parallel a little bit. Little bit. I, I worked in consulting for quite a few years, and you you learn a ton uh, about listening to to needs, about stakeholdering, about building relationships with with customers at different levels of an organization. Uh, and then, of course, you're like, okay, well, let me go do this, quote unquote, for real, and and get your hands dirty with a startup and. Um, the learnings that you have from working, building your own business and working with startups are just unparalleled. And so I'm sure you've taken a tremendous amount from that experience. Exactly. And I guess maybe the last point I'd add maybe to sum it all up, Josh, is one of the biggest things that was important to me that is different from consulting, right, is that ability to make an impact. That was one of the things that truly drew me to startups is that every person matters at a startup, right? I mean, at IBM, for example, you know, I was one of, I think, 400, 450,000 people at the time, right? So no matter how much you care, how much of an uh, overachiever you are, star performer, it, it's hard to see that impact. At a startup, again, it could be 10 people, it could be a few hundred, but regardless, each person matters. You have a large impact and you can make an impact quickly. And I think I truly love that. I mean, especially at Bidgely, we had a pretty flat you know, organization. So you, it doesn't matter if you were a leader per se, you know, the traditional sense of the title or an individual contributor, you made an impact. Any good ideas you have could certainly be you know, tested out or implemented. So and I think sort of the proof there for me is that you know, I started out taking a step back to be an individual contributor, you know, an individual CSM when I started. And by the end of my three years at Bidgely, you know, I'm essentially leading uh, customer success. So I think startups give you not just the impact, but that ability to grow at an accelerated rate. What you put in is what you get out, as they say, Josh. It's always true. Is the drag of taking notes after back-to-back customer meetings slowing you down? Or even worse, did you miss something your customer asked for three meetings ago? Update AI, the latest investment from Zoom Ventures, is here to help. Featuring the world's most advanced artificial intelligence to detect action items, Update AI joins your Zoom meetings and in real time delivers your follow-ups and next steps from customer calls. Save hours of busy work, stay more present in your conversations, and make sure your team is always on track. Sign up for your trial of Update AI today at www.update.ai. One of the things I'm really interested in learning about people is, well, what their interests are. And one way of gauging that is through what they listen to, what they read, where they get their source of learning. And you had mentioned a book called How Will You Measure Your Life by the late Mm -hmm. Clayton Christensen. Tell us a little bit about what you've learned, what you've taken away from that literature. Yeah, I think, you know, certainly having some additional time on my hands right now beyond finally working out again, which is good for my health. I've, you know, certainly been reading a lot more, you know, taking the time to be reflective on, you know, what is it that I want next, right? What What is the value that I bring, but also what are the, uh, you know, things I would want in a company, a culture, and even, you know, from say an industry perspective that I would want to work on next. And, you know, I, I was attracted to this book. I, I think a friend of mine had recommended it. And the, the title really speaks for itself, right? Is at the end of the day, right? And I've read studies from octogenarians or even, you know, one study was just only people who are 100 plus years old. And 
you know, looking back, it's like, hey, what, you know, having lived this incredible life, what would you tell your younger self or what would you tell folks who are younger? And kind of taking that concept, you know, Clayton really goes into details on, he gives us an example of he's, uh, I believe he started out in, you know, Harvard and he went to school with some incredible people. They ended up being extremely successful. But as he looked back at some of them over the years and decades, you know, a lot of them lost their way in the sense of they ended up in, in jail. They got in trouble. A lot of them ended up in multiple divorces or unhappy. And so you just, you know, I don't want to give away the, the full concepts of the book, but more so I would say that he broke it down into what did they focus on, right? And what they thought they wanted versus what are the characteristics that truly make you happy in life, right? And obviously we all know about intrinsic values, extrinsic values, right? You know, you've certainly heard the studies that material things don't make you happy. For example, donating to charity or doing a volunteer activity, that sense of purpose or enjoyment lasts much longer when you look back than say a new car that you bought or a new you know toy, whatever. So sort of on that path, he really breaks down into kind of succinct arguments about here's what you should really be thinking about to think about long-term happiness, whether it's your career, your relationships, you know, your family. And I, I truly found it to be uh, eye-opening in that sense of, you know, some of these are, you know, common sense, but it's spending that time to truly think about how that applies to you and what you want out of your life. And again, a lot of these things we do know internally, but it's applying them, right? It's not just, it's a thought, but rather it's an action. And I think that's the biggest thing for me is putting a lot of these purposefully into action uh, to make my life, you know, happier, how I'm going to measure it. <laughs> Actionability is so important. It sounds really like a really interesting read. I need to pick up my copy, uh, especially now at a time where our work life has become so embedded in our personal life and they've become enmeshed in each other. Having that grander perspective of what would make you happy so important. Eshwan, thank you so much for being on the program today. Um, thank you for all that you do for SaaS and for the customers that you serve. No, thank you, Josh. Really appreciate it. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for supporting the community. And I think uh, you've been a fantastic resource for myself and so many others. Thank you again. Hey, guys, it's Josh. Don't hang up. If you enjoyed this episode, you know what? Even if you didn't, I'd love for you to give us a rating in iTunes or Spotify. And after you do, email me at josh at update.ai with the name of your favorite charity. And my company, Update AI, will make a donation on your behalf. I'd love to connect with each of our listeners. Send me a LinkedIn request and I'll accept it immediately. Just go to www.update.ai slash LinkedIn and it'll redirect to my profile. Thanks.